Hello. This is Michael Stone, the host of We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. We're committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. In our programs, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome, everyone, to We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. And I am excited to share Kim Chesney with you this morning. She is the author of Radical Intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power. She's a globally recognized innovation leader and the founder of Intuition Lab. Her work has been featured or supported by leading edge organizations, including SXSW Interactive, Carnegie Mellon University, Comcast, and Hewlett Packard. She lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and she's here with us today, live on We Earth Radio. Kim, welcome. Ooh, so excited to be here. Thanks for having <laughs> me, Michael. It's lovely. I just do so fit in with the kind of information and experience and things that we've been doing for the last 15 years. You call it Radical, your new book, Radical Intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power. And perhaps you can say a little bit about what radical intuition is and how it's changing the way we view consciousness itself. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. And you know, as you read the book, you probably noticed it's not your typical intuition book. It's uh, it's a little different. We have a little, a bigger broad brush that, that we kind of dove into with this idea of radical intuition. And part of the reason that this book is so timely and why I wanted to come out with it now is because, you know, I've, I've worked, I guess, 20 years now in the technology sector and also, and paralleling all that was this, you know, this career in writing and spirituality. And I noticed these two worlds starting to come together more and more over the last 10 years. And we've seen this sort of kind of fusion thinking in science and physics and, and all of these other areas where these, um, these principles that we know spiritually are starting to become infused into our daily life in really meaningful ways. So, you know, working in innovation and technology, I had the chance to work with some of the biggest tech companies and innovators all around the world. And I started hearing them all talk about intuition. Intuition has become this thing that is really this holy grail. Now, not just for our personal lives and for the growth and the way that we see and view and experience life itself, but also how we live and work and innovate and create and build our society. So there's some really practical, valuable ways that, that this is translating into a revolution in our culture. So, so it really is a radical new way of sort of reimagining intuition. Talk a little bit about, for people who kind of intuition is a mystery. What are, the, what are the basic qualities of intuition? Yeah, so I really understand intuition. What, what I realized early on was if you ask someone what they think intuition is, you're going to get uh, like so many different answers because intuition is so unique and we experience it in different ways. Some people might know it as a gut feeling or some people might have a knowing or, or creative inspiration or even like a metaphysical experiences. So there's so many different ways for us to tap into our intuition and use it. And one of the reasons I wrote this book was kind of to, to understand all those different manifestations and, and what they mean 
mean and, and why they show up differently for each of us. So really understanding what intuition is on a, in a general level, you know, I understand it regardless of how it shows up in those different ways as simply a thought, feeling, knowing, or experience that arrives out of the blue, out of nowhere that we haven't created with our thinking mind. So when you have those flashes of insights, those epiphanies, those moments when the solution just comes to you out of nowhere, well, it, it's coming to you out of nowhere, but it's coming from somewhere. It's not random. It's just not just some magical thing that just happened to you stumble upon that insight. No, it's coming from this higher place. It's coming from a place of inner wisdom that's connected with a deeper nature of life that part of our mind has access to. And, you know, this is a part of our mind that we haven't really worked hard to develop in recent decades and centuries. You know, we've been really working hard to become smarter and to think better. And that's great because that's, that's done a lot for us. You know, we've created really amazing things in the world. But now it's time for rebalancing. It's time to, to realize that we have this other part of us that's waiting to come out and not just in a woo way, in a very practical way, in a way that's going to help us to create the products we need, to create the lives we need, to, to relate to each other and to you know, experience this unity and this inclusion that, that we're moving towards in the world. So it helps us on so many levels to really rebalance these two complementary sides of our minds. Mm. So would you distinguish for people the difference between intellect, instinct, and intuition? Intellect, instinct, and intuition. Yes, yes, definitely. And uh, th that's actually one of my favorite topics to talk about. And I, I touch on it briefly in the book. But so first of all, I look at intellect and intuition to be sort of two complementary aspects of human knowledge acquisition, right? So we talk about intuition in terms of our cognitive functions. It's a way of, of learning and experiencing the world and learning from it. Um, but it, with the intellect, we have, you know, we can experience it, what's around us based on our moment, this moment in time, what's in front of us, our personal experiences, all of that stuff that gives us input so that we can make decisions, you know, in a calculated linear way. But with intuition, we have this ability to go beyond. It has access to sort of higher level of information, which is kind of like the cloud, right? You know, we think about quantum physics has been so wonderful in helping us to understand how intuition works. Because, you know, I would say intuition is like quantum thinking because we're able to do these quote unquote impossible things that we can't do with our mind. So we kind of tap into this cloud. We are able to download that data that's out there everywhere. Now, we know in science that everything that's ever happened or will happen that has happened already exists, can exist. We're living in this timeless place where all of the data is around us and our intuition has access to that. And the more that we grow into our intuition and open up to it, the more we're able to sort of live from this higher place and tap into that wisdom that can guide us from it. So when we're working from our intuition, we're, we're bringing down that big picture information, right? So our intellect works with which is right in front of us, right around us in our life, but our intuition can go higher and beyond. I kind of break it down into the three levels of intuitive consciousness in the book, which is starts with unconsciousness. And that's where the sort of instinct is. So instinct does fit into this whole scenario, but it comes from a place that isn't totally conscious. Like it happens. And a lot of times it's a response to things that have happened to us in the past and, and we don't realize it. So, so instinct is something that works with us without being fully conscious of why we're doing it. When we move up into the intellect, we become more conscious but when we move into intuition, we come, become higher conscious. So the things we do with our intuition comes from a real place of awakening, a place where we're aware, right? So there, there is a mystery out there, but we're closer to it 
and our eyes are, are open to it. So, so there's sort of different levels awakening of awakening that's involved in that too. Quantum intuition. You know, I love quantum. One of my companies yes. is called Quantum Consulting. Share with us the quantum part of intuition. Yeah, it is so exciting. It really is. This is such an exciting time to be alive with all of this uh, because I really do feel that this rise that we're seeing in intuition, like intuition is, is really becoming, it's gaining momentum in, in, this, in the world today. And this rise that we're experiencing, it's no coincidence that it's happening alongside the rise in our understanding of the quantum realities and, and really this new way of understanding the world. And 300 years ago, we couldn't explain intuition the way we can now, right? It just seemed like magic and it had to be ghosts and, and things like that because we didn't know how else to, under, to explain it. But now we realize that there's this whole, you know, sort of different perception of reality that allows us to experience the impossible. And we do it every day. And it's a natural part of life. You know, we hear about things like quantum entanglement and the spooky, spooky action in the distance and going through wormholes and all of these things that, that are becoming popular now in physics tie right into our ability to think in this sort of quantum way. So I always say that, you know, that regular old thinking, our everyday thinking, the way that we, we use our linear rational mind is like Newtonian thinking. You know, it's cause and effect. It's all of that linear process. Whereas when we get into quantum thinking, all of these unexpected things can happen. We can pull down things that we never should be able to understand. We can know things that are happening. We can connect to people. We can have that sort of conscious um, interconnection where your, your friend calls you and you think of them. That's a classic example. At the same time, that's happened to pretty much all of us. We've had that experience in our life and that's real. That connection is real. That entanglement is real. And I have no doubt that as the years go by, uh, we're going to find out more and more. We're going to learn more about how this works. And, you know, science is going to have a whole new understanding of it, too. So I think it's all coming out in a very practical way, in a way that's going to be really validated by science in the coming decades. I'm just curious about how this Cartesian-Newtonian paradigm that's shifting into a quantum paradigm is affecting our ability to tap into our intuition, because basically it's a mechanistic view that says, I'm an object over here and you're over there mm -hmm. and that we're separate, which of course we know from the masters as well as we know from quantum physics that everything is connected and everything affects everything else. So we have this relationship between the field of everything, nothing, or space, which is not empty, but full, as we know from studying that. Mm -hmm. And we have space-time, and yet we have a language and a worldview, and we think in language for the most part. Uh, intuition, we have more, uh, more images, but we mm -hmm. still describe those in language. So we're bound by language. We're bound by this mechanistic perspective, that's got to be something that is a detriment to our ability to have intuition. So how do you get beyond that into the field, into the larger space of all potential? Yeah, and that is such a great question. And, and I think that you know, I mean, that's a lot to unpack, but I think it comes down to, you <laughs> know, it, is, it, it really, it's, it's, a, it's such a good question. It really is. And these are the kind of things that keep me up at night too. And I think about these things and this is really, you know, this is where things are going. And these are questions we have to ask because this is, this is our path and this is the future. 
And, you know, where do we draw this line and this distinction of what makes us uniquely human and what allows us to go beyond being human? And that's where things get, you know, get, get uncertain. And, um, you know, for me, my understanding of intuition really is it is this kind of universal language that regardless of our humanity and our, our physical reality, right, as an object, as a being, as a thing, and our, that dimension of our manifestation, regardless of that, I, I think that intuition is something that connects us beyond it. I think that intuition is something that we have when we go on to the next life. I think that intuition is something that we have with other beings that aren't human, right? So I think that there is a, that's the thing I always say, intuition is like the biggest investment you can make because you can take it with you when you go. It's not something, right? You know, it's, it goes on. You can take it with you to the next life. Uh, so, so there is a lot of mystery around that. And there's, a, there's deeper conversations around that. But I, I do think that it is something that we're largely affected by our conditioning as human beings with our intuition because it does have to translate into very real things and, and our experiences. But I imagine that the more that we get closer and the more that we merge into that place of unity and beyond human, that that experience, those sort of elements of the experience won't be as necessary. I love your enthusiasm, Kim. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> so let's take a spiritual lens and look at it. So here we are. This soul is birthed. I always talk about original goodness rather than original sin, that we're born into that. original goodness. And we're bringing with us our ancestral past and all the things that were perhaps frozen in time, the traumas and the areas that we at some point in our evolution were not completed and we're born with that. And then we have this barrier of the language and the Newtonian perspective. And here's this soul that comes in that has particular work to do, but it's also got these frozen traumas from familial, from cultural, and from ancestral backgrounds. How do we get through all of that to get to this and live from this inner truth that is at mm -hmm. the heart of intuition? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all of that, whether it's on a soul level or on a societal level, comes down to our conditioning, our life conditioning, our experience of conditioning with the people around us and, uh, you know, our identity. Mm -hmm. So it's so important for us. I mean, that's one of the things I talk about in the book is it's one of the core foundations of developing your intuition is reconnecting with that truth of knowing who you are not who this world has, has told you you were, or um, the, the sort of the illusion of Maya that you've experienced and your role in all of it, that, you know, we're something more than that. We're something deeper than that. And only we know who we are truly. So it really is this process of turning within, of making that shift away from the outside world, the objective world, to this world where things are defined and labeled and made that shift into the place where of knowingness and connectedness to that higher truth and that higher reality that only you can experience. And, and that's the thing, you know, so often in life, we feel a calling, we feel this knowing, we feel things in our hearts, you know, where we know things in our minds that are true, even though the world doesn't agree with us or the world tells us we can't do something. And we know how many stories have we heard about people like everyone said I could never do it. And I did it. 
because I knew I could do it. And only I knew I could do it. So, so it's reconnecting with that power. And I think there is a power there. And, and I love that you, know, you, you talk about, we talk about things like shamanism and dance. And I'm, I'm a dancer. I, I was a, a classically trained ballet dancer. And it makes me think of this place you go to when you're in dance and you're in that place where it's that pure connectedness of being. And it's that shift, right? Of living in that moment and that connectedness where all that other stuff starts to fall away. My instinct says, or my intellect says, that <laughs> intuition is possibly one of the greatest tools for interrupting and dissolving or deconstructing the conditioning that you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love those terms of interrupting it and, and deconstructing it because that's exactly what this book is trying to do because we've been all so caught up, especially now with technology and we're just, we're just consumed by our technology and we're not even thinking about it. We're, we get in this place where, you know, mindfulness is so important as this counterpoint to all this, we start to become mindful and realize we need to step back. You know, we need to really become conscious of, of what we're doing and how we're spending our time and attention because all of that conditioning really threatens us. It threatens our humanity and our sovereignty. Turning to your intuition can really ask you and require you to change the way you live your life. You know, depending on you know, where you've been and depending on the choices that you've made to live true to yourself instead of the outside world, to really make that shift to say, I'm not going to listen to everything the world has taught me. I'm not going to buy into that. I'm also going to stand up for what I believe in. I'm going to live my truth. I'm going to be who I am with every single person I know, my one truth, my authentic truth. To live like that is radical. It, it, so many of us have such a hard time doing it because the world won't let you. It doesn't want you to. It wants to keep you caught up in this sort of tailspin of the ego where you're just trying to please everybody else and keep up with the Joneses that we get lost and we forget who we really are. So it's about turning around and reconnecting to that and totally interrupting and deconstructing everything that the world has tried to convince us that we are. Yeah, brilliant. We want to talk about the archetypes, but before we do that, I want to talk about congruence because from my experience of working with many, many people, my long history of doing this kind of work, that most people don't know they have bodies. At least they're not very embodied. I always used to say I work with heads on sticks. So the only reason they have a body is to take them to the next meeting so they can use their head. <laughs> I love uh, that. But there's a thing that Gabrielle Roth, my teacher of 40 years in my embodied world, used to call trizophrenia, that our body is doing one thing, our mm. emotions are doing another thing, our mind is doing another thing, and there's a whole other thing going on in relationship so those four areas are incongruent for the most part for people. I don't know if you want to bring in your archetype perspective on that, but it does fit there. But mm -hmm. maybe you can talk a little bit about how to bring coherency in, because without that kind of alignment, I think it's very difficult to actually even recognize that we have intuition. Such a good point. And it's just so true. And, and it does really line up with the four archetypes that we talk about with, in, with radical intuition, so to speak. So, you know, I love that you brought this up because the body, the mind, the heart and spirit, we hear that a lot, body, mind, spirit, body, mind, heart and spirit. We have different ways of talking about the basic four elements of human being and human existence and how we interact with the world, right? With our hearts and our minds, our bodies, our spirits. And so 
when I was trying to really understand these different manifestations of intuition, it really made sense to kind of align the pathways of intuitions with those four elements and the archetypes that we created around them, which is the mystic, the healer, the visionary, and the sage. Experiencing these different aspects in dissonance it is our everyday state for most of us. You know, our hearts saying one thing, our heads saying another, our bodies, well, you're like you said, bodies, forget about that. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's living in that grounded state is so unfamiliar to so many of us. So the trick and what's so beautiful about intuition is that it is a tool to bring all those things in alignment and into the flow, right? Because our intuition is our connection with, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda says intuition is our soul's connection to God, right? Whatever word you use for God, the source, universe, it's our connection to that. And when we allow our intuition to connect body, mind, heart, and spirit with that, suddenly we're in the flow, we're congruent. We are not dissonant, we're resonant, right? So getting into that resonant state where they all of us create this music together instead of you know, fighting each other and being in this state of stress and anxiety. We get into harmony and we get into flow. And that's the place where our intuition can really start to speak to us and bring change in, in all of the things and guide us to help create a better life and better world. Since we brought them up, let's, let's talk about each of the archetypes. A beautiful map, the way you put it together in your book. And I just, by the way, if you just tuned in, I'm talking to Kim Chesney about radical intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power her latest book. So let's talk about the archetypes. Okay, sure. So the first archetype, we kind of we kind of deal with them in order, body, mind, heart, and spirit, which is sort of starting with the most grounded state, which is, you know, our bodies, we all have bodies. <laughs> we're all living here on this earth and we're connected to the earth plane in a physical way. So our intuition uses that to communicate with us and share us and connect us. We're still connected through that intuitive flow. So people who are very naturally physically intuitive, they're people who you're going to see who have a really good, strong, healthy connection with the body. You know, oftentimes you'll see like yoga teachers, healers, holistic practitioners, doctors, even people who are, um, you know, fitness buffs, situations where people who have a real sense of flow with their body and a, and a connection. It's so important. Our body speaks to us every day whether it's through the food that we should be eating or the way we should be moving or, you know, exercise helps us to open up that energy to get all those creative juices flowing. So getting into that flow with our bodies intuitively is so important and foundational really to intuition in a really powerful way. So that's the first archetype is the healer and really embodying physical intuition and getting into that flow. The second type is the sage, which is intuition of the mind. Right. And this is where we move into that state of making choices and decisions with our intuition. You know, we've experienced that immediately. We'll have sense of like, maybe you've met someone and something about them didn't seem right. Even if, you know, it seemed like somebody you should really like all the check boxes are off. They're smart. They're great job. But you just had this knowing, you just had a sense that there was something that wasn't good for you about them. Things like that happen. Those knowings, those moments of awareness, those little epiphanies that come in. Uh, to to give you information and guidance. This is this is the domain of what I call mindful intuition, which is really about being in that space and that moment, allowing those little insights to come in and to guide us in everything we do. That's the second type, and that's the second archetype. The third uh, archetype, and this is a really fun one, is um, the visionary, which is creative intuition. And this is the intuition of the heart, right? But not the heart in terms of my little small emotions, not like. I love you and I need you. Not the, that kind of heart. 
the heart is like, this is my passion. This is how I, I want to express myself. And this is what I want to do in the world and share in the world. And, and these are all the amazing things that I'm called to. This is my calling in life and my purpose. So, so it's a really beautiful part of intuition and it allows us to come up with new ideas and create new things and change the world. So it's very transformational. Someone like Steve Jobs would be real, like an archetype of the visionary, someone who, who just went out there and you know, huge advocate of intuition and, and really just pushed the envelope and tried all these things and ultimately had a huge impact on the way that we live, every single one of us. So it's very transformational, that, that type of intuition. And then the final type is the archetype of the mystic. And this is the one that we might traditionally think of someone with intuition who has this ability to connect with the universe and life and have these really profound, deepening soul experiences where we can go beyond sort of the limits of what we might consider our senses and, and this world to really experience truth and the, the ultimate wisdom and enlightenment in the universe. Mm, I love the way you put that together because intuition is unique to each individual. So how can we then cultivate and develop this because it's an inside job? <laughs> it is. I love that. Oh my God. I feel like I'm going to use that somewhere. <laughs> Um, and that's the, that is a great question. That's what makes my job so interesting because there, you can't, you can't just open a book and say, okay, this is your manual. This is the same for every single person. Go do it. Right. It's it, intuition doesn't work like that. So my job is to teach people how to use their own intuition intuitively subjectively and learning their own unique language. So that's what it comes down to is learning how your intuition speaks to you. And the good news is, even though it's unique with all of us, it does follow the same principles in all of us. So we can, there is a method to the madness. It's not totally random. We, we can't understand how it works. We can control it. We can open to it, right? We have that ability to, to sort of gain some mastery over it by understanding the main principles. So, so what I do when I work with people to develop their intuition is, is work with those four archetypes, first of all. In the book, you, you probably saw there was a little, little quiz I have where you can take and find out you know, which sort of pathways are open already, really flowing for you, and then which ones we still need to work on. And then we start, start looking at the different ways that those four archetypes manifest in each person. And there, there are common themes, right? So we can work with common themes. So then we start to realize that your intuition, when it speaks to you, does speak to you based on your own sensibilities, your affinities, and your life experiences. So understanding that the certain feelings you have, or the certain, maybe you get an image, or you'll hear a song in your head, or there's just little things that'll happen, your intuition will pop up, or just have these moments of awareness, because it's so connected with your own unique soul and your history in, in the world. So recognizing that, learning to recognize how your intuition feels is the first step. Because then once you recognize how your intuition feels, then you can start to trust it more and you can open up to, to it more and allow it to come in in more ways. So it's a very personal process and a subjective process, but it does encompass overarching patterns and systems that we can work with. Yeah, it's beautiful. One of the things that was useful to me in your book, many of the things, but one particular thing was the idea of this is life with intuition. This is life without intuition. <laughs> kind of go through some of those because I thought, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, they were so right on. Right. Because intuition does make that difference of when we're really connected to our, our, our life that, that makes sense for us. So, you know, it applies to everything from work to relationships to, uh, you know, creativity. For example, if you're, yeah, if you're in a relationship with someone and you guys don't have an intuitive connection, it's, there's, it's so much easier to fall into states of dissonance 
sense because you don't have empathy for each other. You don't really feel connected to each other. So being intuitive with each other is so important just in the day, daily life and how we relate to the people around us, you know, in our jobs. And, and this is one of the things that I learned, you know, a lesson really early on working in tech and the business world is, you know, I was on an advisory board for a company in Pittsburgh and we were talking about, you know, our strategic plan and what we wanted to do for next year to, to, to you know, really crush it, to, to slay the next year and be awesome. And and, and the ED got up and said, well, you know, I think we need to figure out ways that we can stay relevant and keep up with the competition. So my, the first thing my intuition said is like, no, <laughs> that's not what we want to do, right? Because that is the path of the mind. Staying relevant and following other people is what the mind teaches us to do. And that's just, you know, that's a recipe for okay success, but that's not a recipe for, for true trailblazing innovation and something that's going to bring change and ultimately be embraced by people in a whole new way. Because when we follow our intuition, we create something new. We create something the world doesn't even know they need yet. We, we get out there with these new ideas and we bring them into the world. And that's the process that we go through as human beings is, is taking these intuitive ideas and these moments of insight and inspiration and making them real, bringing them to, into the world and creating something extraordinary like Steve Jobs did with Apple and all of the different things and so many other innovative companies out there and creative companies and artists and people who are just um, coming up with all this good stuff that's out there. So so just in business, you can see how important having vision is, you know, having insight and, and not being afraid to take chances, right? Because we, we get into the place of complacency and we stay in our comfort zone. You know, that's another difference, right? We can, we can just live somewhere and be happy and that's great. But if we want to be out there growing and changing, then that's the domain of intuition. That's when intuition is leading us forward and creating all of these new opportunities. So let's look at personal growth and evolution in the context that I'm saying that is most people feel broken, like there's mm -hmm. something wrong or something needs to be fixed or unseen and feeling unheard. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of imagined barriers. How can intuition pierce those barriers and create more space really for innovation and for intuition. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do think that part of the, that feeling that that's a natural feeling that that sense of brokenness, I think it's, I think it's actually deeply connected to our disconnection from our intuition. I think that's part of the state of quote unquote brokenness is that we know there's some, this other part of us that we know that there's something rich inside us that, that we can't access or that, that we feel blocked from. So I think that that sort of existential angst, um, you know, part of that can be alleviated when we reconnect with that missing part of ourselves. We reconnect with that side that we've let atrophy or push down or that the world is convinced this doesn't even exist, right? Because I said that's one of the biggest crimes against humanity is we've been taught that intuition doesn't exist. And even if it does exist, it's something weird or scary or we can't trust it. And that's so, so wrong and so 100% opposite of the truth because there's nothing that we can trust more than our intuition. Our intuition is 100% geared towards our personal success and guidance and, and really elevating us and opening our minds and expanding our consciousness. So when we're cut off with that, it's natural for us to feel broken because we can't do this thing that we are somehow instinctively, intuitively want to do. So I think we crave that intuitive connection in an unconscious way. And the more we start to open it up, the more we start to realign with that, the more we start to heal. And that sense of brokenness somehow 
feels less and less as each day goes by because finally we're connected. We, we feel it. You can feel the difference when, when you have those intuitive moments where you're like, oh, like, that's it. That was that feeling here. I, now I feel whole, even if it's just for a minute, right? Even if we can't maintain it right in the beginning, it takes time. But when you feel that connection to life and being part of that wonder of life, it's a beautiful feeling of aliveness and unity that we all have and we all share. And, and I really feel that the more we use our intuition, the less broken that we're going to start to feel. So you mean intuition's not just for women? <laughs> Oh my God. I've heard that before. So I have true. to say. I have, I've heard it a few times too. <laughs> um, yes. Like men, that's the thing I say over and over again is, you know, look, look through history. The biggest in- champions of intuition have been men, even in recent years, like Einstein and Steve Jobs and Stephen Hawking. All of these amazing people have talked about intuition. Anyone who's really touched genius realizes that it's connected to our intuition. So yeah, so I think women have a, have a natural openness to it or the, the feminine, sort of this feminine spirit. You know, I think it goes beyond gender completely. It's not a male thing, it's not a female thing, but there is a sort of receptivity that comes with femininity that, that allows us to open to it. And that's the thing about intuition. You don't have to go out and work so hard to figure it out. You just have to open up and receive it. You just have to know how to receive it because it comes in a flash. It's like, boom. It's instantaneous. So when we get into that place where we can start to trust those little insights that pop into our heads, then we know, okay, now we're thinking in a different way. We're thinking the way that we were meant to think, which was our intuition first, and then we allow our mind to serve it, and we allow our mind to make sense of it in, in in a really concrete, grounded way. But if we keep missing, we've been taught to think all wrong. We just miss that first flash, which is the, the most important part of the thinking process. And we get stuck trying to rely on our minds. And then what happens? We're like, oh my gosh, then we worry all the time. We obsess over things. We keep trying to figure things out and solve the problems, which we're never going to do because our mind doesn't have the information that we need to solve those problems. So we end up on these hamster wheels of toxic thinking. When if we listen to that intuition from the very beginning, then we'd find that peace and that connectedness, whether you're male or female. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so you said a key word there, trust. Talk about cultivating trust. And I, I'd even go so far as to say faith in our mm-hmm. intuition. I think it's the most important thing. It's the foundation of your entire relationship with intuition, faith and trust, because it's one thing to become aware of our intuition. It's important to, to know that's there and to hear this inner guidance and, and that inner connection. But the most important part, I would say intuition is a two-part process. First, we become aware of it. Then we have to follow it. So if we just become aware of it and we don't trust it enough to follow it, then we haven't completed the process, right? So it's all about this actualization, self-actualization, this bringing this light into the world in a new way and making it real. So there is a very real aspect to it in the end. So how do we trust our intuition? And this is why I've built something into the whole model of working with your intuition that's called validation. We can only start to trust our intuition once it's come through for us, right? Once we've had those moments and it's been like, yes, this was totally my intuition. I knew this and there was literally no way I could have ever known this except relying on my intuition, right? Or there was no, this was been totally impossible without intuition. So when you start having more and more of that in your life, or you have a sort of intuitive guidance that you follow and it comes through for you and you realize that you're on this path and that you made the right choices by following your intuition, then you can start to trust it more. Trust. And when it's not just trusting the intuitive process, ultimately what it comes down to is trusting in life, trusting in that connection that, that we are on a path and that when we get into the flow and we follow our intuition, life is guiding us into a place that's best for us because our intuition has that big 
360 picture that we don't have. It might seem like we're going into some really like horrible thing, you know, and we can talk about politics right now or, or the state of the world, which is in a moment like that, where we're in this place that's so uncomfortable and there's so much suffering, but we have to trust in life in a way that this is happening for a reason that in the end will bring us to a better place and to allow us to awaken to more important and bigger things in the world. So there's a, there's this element of trust getting out of our comfort zone and really taking that faith walk that's very much tied into reconnecting with your intuition. You know, when I look back at any time I've had a challenging situation that came up, mostly if I look back, whether it's relationship, whether it's a business deal, whatever it is, and it goes bad, mm -hmm. and I look back and I go, remember that thought you had that this doesn't feel right? Mm -hmm. That to me is as much evidence as anything because it was there and I overrode it with my intellect. Yes. Famous last words. I didn't follow my intuition, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. You know, that's the thing. Life always still picks you up. And that's a wonderful thing. Even when, we, when we, we take a misstep or we have to fail forward, intuition is always there to take us back on track wherever we are. So, you know, we, we learn from our experiences. We can learn the easy way. I always say intuition will show us how to learn the easy way. If we can really get connected then we don't have to learn the hard way. We don't have to suffer to learn, go through all that rigmarole. So either way, we're on the path. And either way, our intuition will draw us back and up and, and, and keep us moving forward. But it's nice to listen because it can, it can make life a lot easier. You know, when I check in, I, of course, it took me a long time to get in my body. But when I'm looking to see is something false or is something true, I go to my body and I see if it's usually crunched, it's false. And if it's really the space, it's open, it's usually true. I'm wondering if you could share with us some ways to distinguish when we're cultivating our intuition, the difference between what is false and what is true. So important to really start to align with our true voice in our head, because there's a lot of voices in our head. We have our inner critic, we have our fears, we have our emotions. There's so many different uh, voices that are rolling around in there trying to tell us what to do. So it's so important to connect to, with that still small true voice, that true north within us, which is what our intuition is. And so, that, you know, there's, I think in the book, there's a, there's a pretty long checklist and I can go over a few of them now, just some of the most important points of things that you can do just pretty much to rule out things that aren't genuine intuition. And this is really, you know, as we're starting to work with intuition, it's one of the most important things we need to work with is really getting clarity on what is intuition within us and what isn't. The first ca characteristic I kind of talked about already, which is that it's this feeling, sense, impression, knowingness that, that comes out of nowhere. So if something comes to you out of nowhere, it's, it's a pretty good chance that your intuition, right? If you thought it up, if it follows like a bunch of thinking, then, you know, you might have to check in and, and do some other things on the checklist to figure it out. Because sometimes intuition comes that way. But if it comes to you out of nowhere, there's a good chance that it's your intuition, that little epiphany or that moment of insight. So it's like a flash. It's a flash. Intuition comes so fast. Uh, sometimes it'll, it'll take us a little while to get into the space where it comes, right? Because we have to open space for it, you know, and that's where you get into this idea of presence and stillness and why that's so important and mindfulness, because you have to create that gap for your intuition to sneak in between our crazy thoughts, creating that space and allowing more time, slowing down a little bit. It's so important in this process so that we allow our intuition to come in. So when, when it does come in, you know, one of the things, if you want to sort of put it to this litmus test, 
of, you know, you can ask your, you know, is, is it, is it coming? Is, does it feel like it's coming from this calm, quiet stillness, right? So it comes through the stillness and it feels like the stillness, even if it's very powerful. It's not something that makes us afraid. It's not something that freaks us out. It's not that puts us in a state of panic. Or if you're feeling emotions around it, any kind of emotions, then we have to check ourselves because emotions, hard emotions can be kryptonite to real genuine intuition. Intuition, I always call it like, it's like a knowing feeling. It's when your mind and your heart are completely in that state of resonance where you know something and you feel it at the same time. And it comes with this sort of calm power. Even if it's something like you'll hear like a mother will just have this feeling that they're, you know, there's something wrong with their child and they have to go and help. But even though there's all of this, this emotion that's happening there, that they're moved from this still calm place. It's like, I'm going to go get this done. And they go and they like lift up a car or something and they like to have superhuman powers. But you hear stories about this connectedness and this knowingness, but it comes from a place of inner power and peace. So that is a feeling that you'll get used to the more you use your intuition. And when you feel that place, then you know that that's something that's um, really connected to that intuitive space. One of the distinctions that I try to get people there's, there's different emotions in the head and the emotions in the body. In fact, I call feelings in the head and emotions are in the body. Ooh. So uh, it's just a dis my distinction for it to, to make it clear that the anger you're having in your head is not what's happening. The anger in your body, and, and it's very hard for people to get to that. And so when you're talking about intuition, I think that distinction would be very powerful. The difference between a thought of grief or sadness or anger or fear and actually an embodied experience of anger, fear, grief, whatever it is. That gives you more space when you can attune to it and touch into the physical experience. Then there's an integration process that begins and in that process, I believe that intuition can arise out of that. Your, your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. And I think that's a, that's a great uh, addition to what I was saying. So I appreciate that contribution because there is that subtlety of whether we're going to have the, that sort of knowing feeling of urgency or of panic we're actually embodying that in our, in our bodies and giving into that and allowing that to consume us because there is that, that connection. It also applies to things like gut feelings. You always hear people talk about like your gut feelings. Well, is that a feeling or is that an actual, is it a feeling or is it a sense? So there's that sort of subtlety that there is an important area that we need to distinguish. You know, our intuition, it unites both experiences, but we have sort of the ability to d determine if we're, where we're going to let that energy go, if we're going to let it manifest or if we're going to hold it in face, which is on a, on a different energetic level. Yeah. So becoming aware of that when you have those intuitive moments that are, that are very much aligned with our fears or our wants or our wishes. And it goes in the good way too. It could be something like you really, really just want this new job so bad, you know, but like, how do you tell the difference if that's an intuition that you should take that job or if it's just you like imagining that this is going to be the, the perfect fix for your life to make everything better. So there's that tricky sort of gray area that we have to navigate and again, check in with ourselves and, and pull our ego back pull our, our personal small selves back and, and try to move into that space of just simply acceptance of whatever is, is. So another, I think, important area there 
is about slowing down in this, you know, the whole universe is speeding up and, and humanity is no exception. The combination of speeding up and the addictions to social media, so many different addictions, but at the speed we're going at, we don't have the space to tap into our intuition. How do you get people to slow down a little bit? Oh, that's a that's a good question. You're a very fast-paced person, <laughs> by the way, you know, from being with you. So you must have some inkling of how to do that because you use your intuition. Well, so this is what's so interesting. So when I did the Myers-Briggs test, the introvert extrovert uh, yeah. kind of th thing, right? I'm right smack in the middle. I'm like right on the line, uh -huh. right? So I and this is the thing about intuition is I I I do feel I have a calling to you know shout this from the, the rooftops. I'm very passionate about intuition. I'm very passionate about sharing this message, but you know when we get off here, like I just, I, I, I go into my reclusive cabin home and I don't see anybody for until the next one of these that I do. So, so for me, that's part of the balance is, is, you know, going out there and, and doing my job and, and doing what I'm called to do, but then nurturing myself with that time alone and rebalancing because, and, and everybody has a different tempo. Everybody has a different, uh, you know, way of working with this sort of pulling back. So it'll be different for everybody, but I think it's so important, no matter, you know, what it is, if you want to develop your intuition, if you want, I love the analogy that you just said about, you know, the universe is speeding up and we need to slow down. It's sort of like, you know, okay, it's up to us to say, okay, I'm going to take a pause. I'm going to pull back from this. Part of this uh, reconnection that's involved in that process is tuning in to our true selves is med meditation is obviously one of the best ways you can connect with your intuition. It is prime open intuition territory. When you're in that place, like I can't even meditate without having a journal next to me because all these <laughs> ideas come all the time. I was like, oh, like, can I? and then I start stressing out because I'm not saying them, you know, so I get in the headspace. So I just write it down and I go back to my meditation. So meditation is wonderful, but if you can meditate, if it's something that it's, you know, your mind's too busy, just going for a walk, taking a bike ride, taking a bath, a hot shower, just spending more time with yourself is so important. So the short answer to your question, I'd say, is to start making ourselves a priority, to, to spend time with ourselves and realizing that when we're with ourselves, we're not alone. We don't need to be lonely. We're actually creating a rich experience with this higher part of being and this experience of life itself. One of the things I love about your book is processes, the exercises, the activities that you share with people for, for not just quieting the mind, but discovering the power of intuition and how to practice it. Maybe you could give us some like the wormhole or some kind of exercises or even lead us on something. I'm very open to your doing a little impromptu, whatever you do, whatever sure. you want to do. Just warn people if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But yeah, other than just, that. <laughs> yeah. Use your mind's eye. Yeah. yeah. Want to do that? Yeah, I would love to. All right. So we can do the wormhole exercise. That's fun. That's something that we can do remotely. We don't all have to be in the same room together. So right. yeah. So I love that you brought this up because the, the book is a doing book. It's not just a reading book. Don't just take it from me. This book is there to teach you everyone how to use your own intuition and practice it and, and build your own sense of trust and validation through exercises like this. So one of the fun exercises that uh, I created to do in situations like this, where we're, we're not in the same place, but that we can all work with our intuition and kind of under, start to understand what our intuition feels like and how easy it is to access it, is to do this little exercise that's called going through the wormhole. If you have an issue, something you're choosing between. So just take like a moment and think about something. And you want to play along with me, Michael? You want to yeah, do it? Yeah, totally. 
Think of something that you're making a choice between, preferably something you could talk about with, you know, with, with us in public, that it's not going to give away any deep, dark secrets or anything. It could be anything from where you're going to go on vacation or a, a job that you're thinking about working on or any a creative idea. Okay, you got it. So it can be anything for those of you who are trying it out there. Anything, two things you're choosing between, even if, if it's shopping, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. So kind of think about those. And instead of making a pros and cons list as to which one we're going to choose, we're going to quote unquote, go through the wormhole and let our intuition give us some guidance using our intuitive impressions. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you want to do is just close And so everybody eyes. can choose something and come along with us on the journey. Yes. So all, everyone out there, just take a moment to, to think of uh, 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 two things you're choosing between. And if you can close your eyes, uh, maybe it's a good, a good time to do it. it you can do stuff like this when you're just, you know, hanging out. You don't have to close your eyes because I can just do it like I'm thinking right now in my mind's eye. So, but if you, can, if you have time to close your eyes, just close it, your eyes just to calm yourself and to kind of tune out the outside noise and get into that intuitive space. So first of all, just take a deep breath before we do any of this because so important to just <sighs> relax because remember we got to like let, turn off that mind, get into that space of no mind. And intuition works great after you meditate because you're usually in that space but just take a minute, clear your mind. Now, what I want you to do is create a symbol for each one of these choices. For example, if you were choosing between two vacation destinations, maybe you pick a palm tree for a beach and like a regular like tree for like in the mountains, if you're going to the mountains or something like that. So just create two symbols, one that represents each choice and put them in your mind's eye, put one to the left of your mind's eye and one to the right of your mind's eye. Now just be with those symbols and see how each one of them change and how they relate to you. Take a moment and touch in with each of them. Just kind of put your attention on each symbol. Does one symbol grow larger and stronger? Does one get smaller or dissolve or communicate with you and any, let your imagination sort of take over and, and, and how do each of those symbols talk to you? And then once you see that the symbols are relating to you differently, you can kind of metaphorically take a message from that as to which one is an open pathway and, or a better pathway and which one may not be a better pathway. Did you have that experience, Michael? Well, it's interesting because I'm looking at, I live on the beach and I'm looking at moving to the Kootenays to be on the lake. Actually, what I, what I got was, it came very quickly. But they good. Were both That's the a good size. size. They, <laughs> they, they were both the same size and they didn't want to change. And I realized that I probably want to keep the place here at the ocean and also have a place at the lake. And you know what? That's so funny because I actually had that same insight as I was giving it. I'm like, oh, what if it, well, I should tell them what to do if they both say the same. That's so funny um, because, yeah, so that, that's that's the answer because sometimes they won't they won't change. And that could be a good indication that it's yes and or both. Right. So. So and the fact that you said that came boom, just like that, that thought, right, that little thought pops in your head about, oh, maybe I should keep them both. That's an intuitive insight. And that's one of the many ways that your intuition can can just pop in there. So the fact that it came quickly is a very good sign that your intuition and that you're not sort of figuring out with your mind. That's brilliant. I love that. We still have more time. So we could do something else. Yeah, I'm also interested in the times that we're in, in terms of the larger humanity and the journey mm -hmm. of humanity right now. Right. And, you know, from an evolutionary 
perspective, maybe you could say some things about the importance of intuition, which is also another way of saying the importance of connecting in a way. Mm, it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I can, I can talk for hours on that one. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I really had this idea of this intuition revolution sort of brewing for the past 10 years. And um, you know, it's so interesting to me and so timely that this book has come out now. This is the moment that it's come out. It was actually released on election day of all days. So talk about a punctuation mark <laughs> um, because yeah, you know, it really is, it is so important and so timely uh, again, not just for our personal growth and development, but, you know, it's bringing the world together. Um, and this idea of living our truth is really connected to this idea of unity and, and connecting to our unified truth, not being all the same, not a, not a homogeneity, but actually the truth that we're all unique and different, but we can love that about each other and that we're all on our own unique journeys and we can support each other. So, um, so there's that, that really deep part of humanity that's tied into this shift forward. But it's also really connected to, you know, the way that we're going to see the world changing. We've talked, you know, the futurists have been talking about intuition and we're talking about, uh, you know, technology is such an important conversation when it comes to intuition. And I recently I had an opportunity to interview Jesse Schell, who was in actually uh, through the wormhole with Morgan Freeman, talking about the universe as a simulation hmm. and how, uh, you know, what is the difference between machine thinking and human thinking and do machines have intuition and, and all these really rich conversations and what is going to differentiate us in the future from machines because we're getting to that singularity we're getting to that point where machines are going to be smarter than us you know then what and what is artificial intelligence really going to I want to explain like? to people what the singularity is so they yeah so yeah so the singularity is this sort of moment this impending moment um Ray Kurzweil uh, talks about it a lot and and writes about it and, and when um you know, all of the machines and the way that we've programmed them and their ability to learn and compute is going to uh, get to the point where we're outwitting humans. So no longer will we be smarter than the machines. So, so what's going to differentiate us? What's going to keep us ahead? And in that, the answer is pretty much unanimous is this human intuitive connection, which still allows us to create these rich new things that we don't have the ability to even program into machines because we don't even understand it ourselves. So, so it's going to be some really interesting conversations when we see things like quantum computing, which I'm not even going to pretend to understand, but I, but when you see that kind of stuff happening and coming out now that there's going to be this whole different discussion about what's going to keep us at the forefront of evolution. What's going to keep humanity out there. It's our ability to, to bring in these new ideas, to innovate this ingenuity and this vision that we, that's such an important characteristic of being a human being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's of course been said that the longest journey is the journey from the head to the heart. Mm. And when we talk about the singularity, quantum uh, computing and, and uh, AI also particularly these, these issues, if we try to approach them with the head, we will lose. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what we will lose, but we will lose. Right. And we will. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, a, a really big and important question to look at. And it's that, that journey to get out of the chat room and drop into the love room. Mm -hmm. And if so we're true. trying to evolve, it has to be 
through connecting heart to heart, not mind to mind. Amen. And that's the end journey. And when you take intuition, you know, we can see how far we're going to take intuition and you take intuition to the very end. And the end of intuition is love. You know, it is that place of connectedness and love. And, and you don't know that you're going to get there in the very beginning. You don't realize that that's where you're going, but that's really where it's taking us all um, is that experience of, of, of true connectedness and transcendent love. So um, it really is uh, this real journey of humanity that does start with the head and end with the heart. And we've spent centuries on that journey. And hopefully now uh, we have some incentive to, to really get there. And of course, that leaves us in a great question, which is, what is love? Uh, when, you know, what is love? You know, we can go to the mind about that, but love is more about presence, presencing, and about mutuality and expansiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, so it puts us right into the pocket of intuition, really, when we come there. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> Kim Chesney. <laughs> Such a delight to be with you. I just <laughs> Thanks, love your Michael. book and your energy and uh, the contribution. I know I speak for all our listeners when I just say thank you for taking the time to be on We Earth Radio today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I just thought of something else I wanted to say uh, for those of you who are listening Tomorrow is going to be the winter solstice. And if you go to welloflight.com, you will uh, get a pass to come to the free uh, ceremony that I'm doing, which I think you would really enjoy. So go to welloflight.com and uh, get a pass to the uh, winter solstice bringing in the light celebration. Thank you all. And thank you, Kim. Uh, wonderful to be with you. Blessings. Thank you, Michael. We Earth Radio is an independently produced program supported by listeners like you. We are committed to bringing you leading edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or listen to any of our past shows, go to our website, welloflight.com. Thank you so much for your commitment to a world that works for all life. <laughs>